Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. Uh, used AI to generate any of your sermons yet? Artificial intelligence? Yeah. No. I tried. You can go, you can sit down now. Uh, I, I gave it a crack for this one. I thought I'm going to be the first person to use chat GPT and use AI to generate my sermon. You know what? Nah. It might be AI, but you've got to turn the letters around. It's I, A, and M. Really, we need the I am, right? We need God to generate our sermon, not AI. And what I also learned, Brad, you're guaranteed a job for a few more years yet, if, if that's as good as AI could generate. Okay, leading into um, the sermon, the message, I like to call it message, the message this morning, I need to tell you about my job at Churches of Christ. One of the things I did there, I came on, the first thing they gave me to do was a tender. Now, a tender is when you go out to suppliers, ask for a price, and then get a contract for supply. This will lead somewhere, trust me. So I did that, and I said, what is this tender that you want me to do? And they said, continents. I said, okay, what's continents? I had no, and I can see from a few people here, you don't know either. Continents pads are like adult nappies, okay? So here we go, and the second thing that was surprising for me was we spent $900,000 a year on adult nappies. So there I was, my first job, work on continence pads, pretty exciting, not, but a couple of important things in that, I did get to try a couple of on actually, no, no. <laughs> when doing that, we had to have the elements of a contract. Someone had to offer something, they offered a product, continence pads, we accepted that product into our aged care areas. And thirdly, there had to be acceptance. Alfred acceptance, there had to be contribution. Someone had to pay for that, okay? So offer, acceptance, contribution, and I signed off the contract. I would have signed hundreds of contracts when I was with Churches of Christ. Just letting you know that. I'll tell you when that appears in the message later on and when that was, why that is relevant. Hopefully you'll see. Now, am I right to hit a button? Oh, good, look at that. We're going to be talking about Genesis 15 today. And in Genesis 15, within this chapter, I'd hope to highlight three areas. First one of those is, but how? But how, God? Second one, God makes a promise. He delivers on that promise. The third one is, believe and leave. So they're the three things that will come out of, out of today's message. But speaking of promises, I made a promise when I led the service um, a few weeks ago, and I, I told you about our latest edition, our new granddaughter. Someone said, where's the picture? I said, okay, I promised to do it, here she is. That's little Ariana. And, and isn't she gorgeous? I'm about two and a half months late with my photo, and there's the three of them that we've got now. Just hijack the message, okay? Now, going on, Genesis 15. 
Genesis 15 fits in, and I just give you, need to give you a little bit of context for Abraham and Genesis 15, okay? God meets with Abraham and promises him things. First one, in Genesis 12, he says, leave your family, leave your tribe, I'll give you a new tribe and a new land. Importantly, he says, I'll bless you and you'll be a blessing to others. Then in 15, I won't dwell on it, we're going to be talking about it today, I'll give you a new tribe, a new land, and your children will be like the stars of heaven. In 17, he says, walk before me, be blameless. I'm going to give you a new name, Abram to Abraham, and I'm going to be God to you. And the covenant of circumcision uh, came in there. Interestingly, to um, seal a covenant, the Hebrew word literally translates to cut. You cut a covenant. And hence they think that's why the circumcision um, act was given for that, the cutting of the covenant. And lastly, in 22, he says, when you had to offer Isaac, you didn't hold back your son, therefore I will bless you. So through this, through those, and we're heading to 15, but in the broader context, God's saying, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, or Abram at that stage. So I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Why do you think blessing was important? Yeah, well, it was out, but it was way more important than that. It was, well, have a think, what's blessing the opposite of? Exactly. So, God blessed us. In, in Genesis 2, we see a harmony between man, woman, so harmony between people. We see harmony with nature. And everything's good. Well, God pronounced it good. Sin entered, and then through sin, we have the God's curse. Okay, we say, have then God's curse on us. So the opposite of blessing. What's happening here is God says, Abraham, through you, I'm going to re, I'm bringing back the blessing. We had a blessing, a curse through sin, but there will be blessing again. That's what my covenants are about. Yes, there's land. Yes, you're going to have an inheritance of lots of people, but I'm going to bring back the blessing that was lost through sin. Okay, so if we move on then, in our, in our, and focus, zoom in on Genesis 15, it's about Abraham. Now, Abraham, he's our true hero of the faith. Seriously, gold star material, MVP, most valuable player for God, he's right up there. Gets quoted uh, 76 times in the New Testament. Pretty good, hey? His name is in that Hall of uh, Fame, Hebrews 11. Or was it the Hall of Faith? We probably should call it. Um, and Paul actually calls him, in Romans 4, the father of us all. And that's the father 
of that faithful people that we are, the priesthood. So we're establishing that Abraham is a real faithful guy. And looking at Genesis 15, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out. But, or not but, as well, in the middle of um, Genesis 15, and we see this faithful guy, Abraham, this is said about him. And he, Abraham, believed the Lord, and he, God, counted it to him as righteousness. What's special about that verse? Flop and neck. What's not? That is the New Testament gospel in a verse. Okay, God, um, Abraham did works, and God counted that to him as righteousness. Is that what it says? Uh, no. Uh, wrong. Faith. Abraham displayed faith and it was counted to him as righteousness. Paul goes to a great extent in Romans later on to say, oh, what came first? The circumcision, the act, or the faith? Well, it was the faith that was first. Righteousness came through faith, not through the act of circumcision. Uh, so, four times in the New Testament, his faithfulness... Um, counted to Abraham as righteousness, is mentioned. So Abraham's up there, we're down here. He's really faithful and we're here. No. Look what Abraham does. In chapter 15, he, um, God says, you're going to be the father of men. Look at the stars in the sky. That will be how many are your descendants. And he says, but how will I know? So he's faithful, MVP, gold star, faith, and even Abraham says, but how will I know? And then God says, I'm going to take you out. Oh, sorry, I'm going to give you a land, a land of your own for you and your descendants. Abraham says, and then he says, but how will I know? He said, O oh Lord God, how am I to know that I will possess it? What does this do for me? This gives me a lot of encouragement to know that Abraham needed reassurance as well. So, Abraham might be up there, but we're a bit closer. What did God do when Abraham said, but how will I know? Did he go, Abe? You know, <laughs> I thought you had faith, you've let me down. No. <laughs> he went with it. God, like a loving father, like a loving parent, worked with Abraham, gave him that reassurance. And I can think of God working a couple of other ways. Think of John the Baptist. He's in prison and he sends word to Jesus. Now, John the Baptist, the greatest man who was ever born, says, are you the one, or are we to wait for someone else? Does Jesus reprimand him? No, he says, just look at the deeds that are done. Or 
the father with the, the child who was filled with a, an evil spirit that the disciples couldn't cast out. He says, if you can, Jesus, can you heal uh, my boy? Jesus goes, if I can. <laughs> and he says, he says back to Jesus, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. God accepts people who need reassurance, people who have faith but need reassurance um, about that faith. But how will I know? Most of us or all of us will be asking, will have asked God that question at times. And that loving God can answer us like he answers Abraham. But the way that he answers him is something that I hadn't really seen before. So if we read this, uh, I'm just going to read it here. See what you make of it. God said to him, bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, and a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. I'm not sure about the birds, why they're there, but anyway. And he brought him all of these, cut them in half, and laid each over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. What's going on here? Now, I've got a lot of yellow highlighting in my Bible on various pages. Let me assure you, Genesis 15 was not one of those. I didn't have highlighting on this one. Now, it's one of my most favourite chapters. And as we unpack this, hopefully you'll see why. Note, God says, do this. And then Abraham doesn't say, well, where's the Ikea instructions? You know, what do I do? <laughs> he says, get those. Abraham knew exactly what to do. Because this was a common covenant ratification ceremony. If you wanted to make an oath with somebody, so we're not in a written culture here. We're in an oral acting culture back then, okay? We're talking ancient times. There wasn't writing. You acted out um, what you were doing. Contracts were acted. They weren't signed. So they took the animal, sacrificed it, cut it in half, Put the pieces there, so you think, what have we got in front of us? Half a cow, half a cow, and a lot of blood in the middle, right? So that's there, and then the parties would pass through the pieces and make an oath that, okay, I am going to do this. I'm going to buy $900,000 worth of continence pads, and I will pay you, and I walk through. That's how I've signed the contract. Okay, so what happens if I don't pay? I don't, I don't get, but in this, if I don't fulfill my side of the bargain, I'm saying by this acted out oath that I will become like those animals. If I don't deliver, you can kill me. Tell you what, it's pretty serious, isn't it? Makes signing a contract look a whole lot easier. I thought about another contract while I was looking at this. Weddings. How do you ratify a wedding? You have an oath, 
I love you. I love you. And then what do you do after that? The bride, the groom and the witness sit down and they sign. Exactly. In here, what would they have been doing? Between nice white gown through this body thing. Now, I reckon what we've got now is pretty good. Let's stick with that. So, what, I just want to show you that this is in another part of the Bible. We'll go through quickly. Jeremiah 34, God says to the people, you haven't obeyed me, okay? You transgressed my covenant. You didn't keep the terms of it. I will make you like the calf that they cut into and pass between its parts. Exactly what we've just talked about with um, Abraham. There's a whole lot of people mentioned, and it says, their dead bodies shall be the food, shall be food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. So God's saying, because you didn't keep my covenant, you went through the parts, didn't do what you said, so you'll become like those. What do we see here? So there is significant consequences for not um, keeping your end of the bargain not fulfilling the oath that you made. Right, let's keep going through Genesis 15. You now understand. So what did, Ga- what did Abraham say? But how will I know? God said, do this, and this is how you're going to know. All right, so we just kept walking through chapter 15. A dreadful and great darkness fell on Abram. Verse 12. In Scripture... When a dreadful and darkness, great darkness falls on you, like if that happens to you today, expect divine activity. When that happens, God's going to do something. Okay? That darkness came on Abraham, and then God spoke to Abram about the history of his descendants. Think about that. He says to Abraham, your people are going to be in Egypt... You're going to be there 400 years and then they're going to be rescued and then they're going to come to the land that I promise you. So, that's what's going to happen when I fulfil the covenant. But it's astounding what happens next. I found this picture on Google. I'm not sure if I was Abraham and this happened to me that I would just be reclining like that. You reckon? Oh, look, God turned up. No, I don't think so. Um, when the sun, but let's see what did happen. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I will give this land. So, exactly what we saw, spoken about. God, Abraham got the pieces cut the pieces, and he would have been there expecting something, but no doubt in some way that he would then go through, right, and sign the deal. Well, he would not have been expecting a um, smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. What does that remind you of? Cloud, fire, pillar? Exodus, how did God go before the people? 
pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, which was the presence of God. So what are we talking about here? The presence of God. Not many people in Scripture have God turn up. Actually turn up. I mean, there. So this is the presence of God. The smoking firepot and the flaming torch are there. That's God. Okay, I think we've got that. So, didn't see that coming. I reckon there's no way when Abraham said, but how will I know? That he would have thought that God would have turned up. Amazing. Something would have happened. God might have maybe spoken to me in a dream, did something, gave me a word, wrote his name in the stars. He turned up. But he really didn't expect God to go through the pieces himself. So God might have turned up, but he'd be there. Okay, I'm watching you now, Abraham. We're doing this deal. We're signing an oath. You go through the pieces. No. God went through the pieces and did the deal. He, he promised to bless him and he will bless him, be his God, gets land and descendants at no extra cost. What happens if God doesn't keep his side of the bargain? I'll give you a hint. <laughs> He'll become like the slain animals. His precious blood will be spilled. Now, put yourself in Abraham's shoes, thinking, right, didn't think God would himself would turn up, didn't think God would go through the pieces. No, I now know that his promise to me is an oath and is real, but I'm pretty sure that God will keep his end of the bargain. So, I'm not worried about God having to be slain like the animals, because he's going to keep his oath. Sound fair enough? God's trustworthy, true, can't lie. So, his money's on God. So, why... Are his palms sweating? Why is his heart beating? Why is he really getting nervous? Because someone else hasn't gone through the, through the pieces yet, have they? Abraham. Why? He knows it's his turn to go through. And like us, Abraham go, knows... I reckon I can't keep my end of the deal. Probably going to fail. Actually, definitely will fail. Might fail 50 times, 20 times, 100 times. Would God think that's okay? I'm not sure. So Abraham is worried about going through the pieces. In fact, he's quite confused because... When these covenant ceremonies were held, 
a king might defeat another kingdom, right? And then they do this covenant where that beaten king or a servant to a king would be doing their part of the oath. They would go through. The king would watch. Occasionally, the king, the servant would go through or the vassal king would go through and then the king would go through, both parties, through the pieces. Never the king first. So Abraham, seeing God go through, he's now nervous about it. But we, didn't, we don't read that Abraham went through the pieces. Only God goes through the pieces. Abraham's feeling better now. His heart rate's dropping. He's not as sweaty. God says, I'm going through alone. I'm going through for both of us. I know I'll be cut off. I'll have to die if I don't keep up my end of the bargain, says God. But may I be cut off. May I die, Abraham, if you don't keep your end of the bargain. You're seeing, we're so close to Easter. Are you seeing how much, how deep, wide God's love is that he would say, I'm signing in blood that I'll bless you, Abraham, even if I have to die to do it. And we know, he, we know he knows what's going to happen because the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, it says in Scripture. So God was not surprised by any of this. Line of sight. So let's, let's jump from the covenant to the cross. I got to go up on the Riparian building uh, when I was working with Churches of Christ. Um, I can't remember what project we were doing. And do you know, from the top of the Riparian building... Um, next to the Brisbane River, they told me you can see the Gold Coast. I said, nah, not a chance. You can't see the Gold Coast from the Brisbane River. Absolutely. There is line of sight from the Riparian building to the Q1 at the Gold Coast. You can see it. Surprise me. Just like that, and unlike Abraham, who didn't know what was going to happen, we have line of sight from that covenant pieces uh, ratification to what happened on the cross. We get to see it. We can see from one to the other. Oop, let's go back there. I'm not sure what happened then. I've gone back quite a few there, haven't I? We'll get there. There. At the cross, we saw a dreadful darkness fall on Abraham. Fast forward to the cross, between the sixth and the ninth hour, we see another dreadful and great darkness at Calvary. Then we hear a single solitary figure say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? cut off from the land, cut off from his God. If we look in Isaiah 53, 
we see exactly what was the commitment in the oath Okay, what God said in the covenant of the pieces when he passed through the dead animals with the blood and knew that he would be dead and have his blood shed. Isaiah 53, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, cut off from the land of the living. As we sing in the hymn that I can't sing without crying, the darling of heaven crucified to fulfill his end of the bargain. Jesus fulfilled God's promise, oath made in Genesis 15. What, what does that mean if we now change our line of sight from the cross to us. What does that mean for us? I've said at the start I had three areas that we were covering. The first one was, but how God? And we looked at, but how God? And we saw that Abraham had a faith in some ways like ours. He sought reassurance. And then we said, promise delivered. God made the promise, made that oath, had great consequence to himself and delivered on that in the cross. The last one I said was believe and leave. So let's look at believing. What do you believe in? We could reword that, who do you believe in? Yourself, God, uh, someone else? How is your faith going? Strong. Wavering, pretty small, doesn't matter. God's got all of those covered. Faith, strong, wavering, not much faith or no faith. God can cover those. Abraham showed us that. He believed and yet asked God for a sign. So I think if you're struggling with your faith today, this is a bit small, sorry about that, but I'm going to highlight the part for you. See, God made a promise to Abraham and guaranteed it with an oath. It's what we've talked about, that there's a strong encouragement to hold fast. And what is that strong encouragement? A sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Anchor's pretty good. Boat's in a bit of trouble without one, isn't it? If your faith's wavering, if you're struggling, God says, hang on to my promise and oath and that hope. That's like an anchor. Now, I can tell you, when Sue was going through the treatment um, last year and we had one part of treatment that went well and then there was more tumours, I got to a point when all I could do was hang on to that anchor. Okay, my, my faith was a bit like the boat would have been moving around, but I hung on, and I'm only going to speak for me, I'm not going to talk for, speak for Sue through this. My faith was locked to that anchor. It steadied my faith. 
but this latest old tumour that's flared up, that's made me go, but how? That's my but how, God. So I've got to cling to that anchor again. I'm going, but how, God? I told someone it's like a bouncing ball. It bounces and it comes up this high. Next time it bounces, it comes up that high. bounces, comes up that high. My faith was sort of bouncing up that much. So I've got to grab onto that anchor, that steadfast anchor. God's immovable. He's unchanging. So if your faith is like that, that's what I encourage you to do. I called the thread that we had for Sue, you've got this. God's got this. I meant to. Um, So I want to be God's got this, not but how God. But being but how God is okay. That's what I'm trying to say. Secondly, and as we wrap up, leave. Funny word, leave. There, Abraham... Faith was credited as righteousness, wasn't it? Yes. But was that all he had to do? He he had to act on it. He had to move. He had to do something with it. What have I got there? He left everything. Our faith requires action. The Christian walk is just that. It's not a Christian sit. Okay? It's a Christian walk. Not a Christian lie down, it's a Christian walk. We're on a journey. That's my little journey thing there. Um, We're going from A to B. God is wanting us to move. It's not, well, it is. The book's called Pilgrim's Progress, isn't it? Not called Pilgrim's Stay at Home. So, Abraham believed and moved. God wants us to believe and leave. Okay? What does that stepping out mean for us? Um, and he actually talks about it here. By faith, God obeyed, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go. He went out um, where he was going. So there's a whole intention, there's a whole movement there. So we don't get to hear this talk today and go, oh yeah, <laughs> do something about my faith. My faith might be a bit low, but that's okay because Abraham was a bit like that and God met with him, gave him an oath, showed him a way, gave him a promise. I don't think so. Come on, people. God's asking us to believe and to leave. He wants us to move. I can't answer for you what he's saying to leave behind. We know what it was for Abraham. People and land were desperately important for them. And Abraham left his family and his land obediently for God. Left some foreskin behind, actually, through circumcision, but it wasn't the only thing he left. Um, is Is it fear that you've got to leave? I don't know. We've come to the part of the message where I can't share with you. You know what you have to leave. Is it apathy? Is it comfort? Is it thinking you've arrived when God's got more journey for you yet? 
He's got more in store for you than a caravan and a lap around the country. Okay? Not that there's anything wrong with that. You can do a, get a caravan and do a lap of the country and God can use you at every place you stop around the way. But we have to leave. We have to act on our believing.